Today's episode of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by ZipRecruiter, our 2018 presenting sponsor. They develop powerful matching technology for hiring. You no longer have to wait for the right candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's the smartest way to hire. Tate, maybe the Hornets should should use ZipRecruiter to help them find the right players to replace Kemble Walker. Big NBA trade news this weekend. Anyway, my listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter dot com slash bs meanwhile i'm pretty excited about the all-new bmw x3 i've been driving bmws for the past 10 years the x3 has the level of performance you expect from a bmw and i drive 6.0 with intuitive touchscreen available safety features like active blind spot detection and next generation x drive intelligent all-wheel drive i might have to test drive this one you can test drive the all-new bmw x3 at your local bmw center today bmw only makes one thing the ultimate driving machine. Don't forget about my column that went up today, a mailbag column on the ringer.com that hits a whole bunch of stuff, including the most shocking in-game NFL playoff moments, as well as uh, a lot of freaking out about Tom Brady. And you're about to get more of that later in the podcast. We're calling Mike Francesa. It's Francesa Fridays. But before we do that, we have... The acclaimed director of Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig, with the acclaimed star of Lady Bird, who just won a Golden Globe, Saoirse Ronan. They're here together. But first, Pearl Jam. Greta Gerwig, Saoirse Ronan here from my favorite movie of 2017, Lady Bird. So when did you know this was going to kind of snowball into something major? Um, well, I don't think I knew that it was sort of going to go in the direction that it's gone until like late November, early December, because we'd been, we had the, the movie had been in festivals and that was a hugely exciting thing in Telluride in Toronto and New York festival. Um, and then it opened and it was it was great. It was like people were going, but it was like limited openings in, you know, New York and L.A. and then San Francisco, Chicago. Like it was it was and it wasn't clear to me. Yeah, it was it was around then when it was like, oh, people are really going and really yeah. responding. And it's not just I mean, I always hoped that it was a movie that would connect to people, but you just never know. And I wanted it to be something that um, a lot of people would see and it would then it would connect to where they're from and their hometown and their families. And, mm. and it, but you just never know until you're, you're actually in it. So, um, we should mention you're sick and Saoirse threw yeah, up at Disney, got a pain in my at Disney on Monday. You're not going to throw up there in that. We've never had anyone throw up on a podcast. Well, this could be our chance. Disney to chicken. Shake what up. was it? No, it was. I listen. I don't want to give Disney a bad rap no, we because love I've Disney. also had Disney. the best day of my life there. Monday was not the best day of my life. Did yeah. you get Disney. the pass where you get to skip the lines? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Is that good. like a celebrity pass? I didn't have that before. Someone else got it for us. You can just buy. You can it. just buy I it. Think yeah. You can just buy the pass where you like skip the line yeah. and can go to the front. Oh yeah, line. yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to be able to cut past everything and go like through the back door and yeah. just go straight onto the ride and you can't do that anymore. Are you getting recognized now or was, did that already happen I didn't for you? get recognized that much. I was with someone else who's in a TV show and he got recognized quite a bit. 
Mm. Um, but I there were actually a bunch of girls who came up to me after uh, the ride soaring. Um, oh, does this mean I'll get free Disney tickets? Do you think if I talk Let's about Disney? Let's hope. I think you should. <laughs> Soren, anyway. the wonderful ride at, at California Adventure Park. <laughs> and um, these girls came up to me and they had seen Lady Bird. Oh. and mm. loved it so much. And I so when did you know? Yeah. You've been in a lot of good movies. When did I know? When did you know when this did was going to blow was, up? Well, because I think you can know that like a film is good and yeah. never know whether it's going to gather steam or what. Because I think it, it is so much down to like the time it comes out and the zeitgeist at the time and like what people need and want from movies. And so it really did come out at exactly the right time. I mean, I think like I was doing a film last summer and autumn while... Greta was doing all of the earlier press and taking the film to festivals and things like that. So I couldn't go to any of those earlier events. But um, I think, you know, the response that we got at Telluride when I heard about that. So you knew. I think I knew then it was going to, people were going to see it. Yeah. Mm. And then it just sort of grew from there. But I mean, I don't think we ever expected that like, the New York Times would say it's a perfect film and think, you know, nobody, nobody would expect that for their movie because it just seems impossible. So did you, did you write it with her in mind or did you write it and then try to find somebody (laughs) like her? I know. No, I I didn't. didn't, I know. (laughs) But I couldn't have known that she would do it because I, I was writing this um, uh, alone. You know, when you're writing something, uh, you're just by yourself. Um, it's just you and the and the and the blank page and you're trying to figure out what it is that you're saying and i i i i didn't know that i would show it to anyone let alone that i would get someone like search ronan to be in it actually i was thinking when you said the the girls recognized you i think you're so transformed in the role that mm-hmm. i wonder because you don't look like you, like when I know I know her now as a person and I knew her as a person before and who she became as a role. Yeah, it, it really is a transformation kind of from the inside out. She's she just seems like a different person when she's playing Ladybird. And even though I didn't write her her character with her in mind when I when I first heard her read the lines, <laughs> I knew right away. I knew without a, a shadow of a doubt it was um one of the most certain things I've ever experienced. Was, was it fun to cast people? It must have been, right? Yeah, it was the most fun. And it was also, I mean, it's the most fun. It's also, I, I love so many actors that, um, I mean, part of the reason I want to make a lot of films is I want to work with so many different actors. So, mm-hmm. you know, but I got as many as I possibly could who I love and think are great into this movie. But I... I um, what about the Sacramento accent? <laughs> You have, is there a Sacramento accent? Yeah. What is it? It's um, what, basically what she did in the movie. She has, it's what she did in the movie. It's my accent. It's um, it, we worked with a, a a vocal coach and accent coach. Is it like a tiny bit Valley Girl kind it's, of thing, or what no, is it? It's slower. It's very slow and lazy and kind of laid back and Can run you do together. It, do it? Can you do it like <laughs> she, right away when you click? Can you do it like do on it. command? <laughs> I what do you I don't know what do you want me to say? Do your Sacramento? Ooh, I mean it, it, it's that's very, a Sacramento accent. It, it, here, all of a sudden. No, here's the thing about a Sacramento accent is that like I've done a sort of general American accent mm. a lot, yeah. which is just American, just mm. like a sort of generally has the sound of an American person. But this was the first 
time I had to do that with like specific sounds. So I mm. think one of the words that I found really, really hard to get was perfect. Oh yeah, that's And right. the way oh, yeah. Greta says it, and you know, there's a band called Warpaint and they're from, they're from LA, I think, but they, they say that sound, I think in one of their songs. And I was like, that's the way Greta says it too. They perfect. say it the same way and it's like perfect. Perfect. perfect perfect it uh, sounds so strange it, it was to me just to such a slight difference between because it, it I'd she say was perfect say perfect with an <laughs> eh sound and it was a it's, it's an eh sound it. perfect yeah. perfect and also i mean little things like she so she worked with kate wilson who's this great accent uh, vocal coach who mm-hmm. i'd worked with on a play and she'd worked with on a play because i wanted to be able to sort of set it um and so, I mean, a lot of it is like running words together. Mm. Uh, not a lot of variation of of, of like octave. melody and there's yeah. not a lot of melody. And running, yeah, running things together. Like, and one of my most proud things about the or I just in the accent of the performance is she says Sacramento. Don't people don't say Sacramento? They say Sacramento. Yeah, and it's almost like a D. Yeah, yeah, Sacramento. Sacramento. And she said it just right and it makes me so happy when mm-hmm. she says it because i think there's a the, there's a lack of precision with the way i think it's a, nor, a northern california thing mm. do you did you have to physically think of yourself as a 17 year old cuz 17 year old girls act a little bit differently physically than like a 23 year old <laughs> not necessarily a 17 year old but i think i just physically had to specifically think of myself as ladybird because i think ladybird like even though we had the sacramento accent in place yeah she needed to sound different to everyone else and she needed to sort of physically behave <laughs> in a different way and almost be a little bit erratic physically i think that that's a little what, irrational confidence y- yeah yes yeah. exactly that's a good way of putting it um and i think there there were certain parts of her that just needed to be noticeably different to everyone else and that's why people are drawn to her because there's such an affection that her friends and her family and the boys she goes out with and her teachers there's an affection they have for her and i think um that comes from her just being a little off center. Yeah. Um, and so even with the voice and the way she walked and the way the sort of gesture she used, you know, I kind of wanted them to be quite distinctive to her. And I always find anyway that that helps when when I've been doing it since atonement Um the director of that wanted me to develop a walk. And so ever since then, I've liked coming up with like a specific like walk. Like a little trait, yeah. Yeah, it's just a good way to, I think it's like the voice that says an awful lot about where the character is going, how much confidence they have in themselves, you know, what they want people to see when they walk into a room, you know. Mm. I took my daughter who's 12 and a half. <laughs> okay. We were at a soccer tournament in San Diego. <laughs> and I was told by multiple people I trust, like, take your daughter. And I'm, I don't know. It's right. It was right on the fringe. Yeah. It was a great decision. Yeah. Yeah. She's already seen it twice because we got the screener. It's kind of like one of her movies, which I think I've heard you say. It's like for, I think not just that age range, but then older too. It was kind of like people feel like this is my movie. They made this for me. Yeah. Which is a really hard thing to do. And it's kind of, 
a power in its own way. Because people try to do that. Most of the times it doesn't work. Yeah. So you must you must be sensing that these last couple months. Yeah, it means a lot to me. I mean, I, I think um, I think that I know what it feels like to sit in a movie theater and and feel like, how did they know? Yeah. How did they? How do they know? And oh, and I'm not alone. And wh- how how is this possible? And I felt it about movies that have nothing specifically to do with my life. Um, I remember feeling that when I was sitting in the movie theater and I watched um, the movie, the Wong Kar Wai movie, in the mood for love. And the way that they're this is these neighbors who are both married and they have another relationship and just like the buildup of something that never happens. And I was mm-hmm. like, and it takes place in Hong Kong in the 1960s um, or like late 50s, early 60s. And I was like, that's it. And I don't know why that's it, but how does he know? And mm-hmm. I think that movies in that way have this ability to sort of reach through the screen and, and get you in your heart. And it means a lot to me, particularly um, particularly not just women though. I mean, I've had a lot of men tell me, oh, that's, that's it. And, but I mean, yeah, I, for me though, I think very personally, um, teenage, young teenage girls, teenage girls, um, feeling seen is a big thing for me because I think I was always looking for that. I was always looking for the things that were, um, going to reflect something that felt true to me. There is a losing virginity scene. Yes. That I did almost knock my yes. popcorn over, dive into cover <laughs> yes. eyeballs of my 12 and a half year old daughter, but it wasn't that bad. It was, it's not that there was bad. There's four seconds where I'm like, oh Uh-oh. God, well, this is going bad. It's very. And then it's, then it's fine. <laughs> it's and I think that's quick. the whole point, right? right. It's so yeah. quick. Right. It's, it's almost like seconds. it didn't happen. Right. And I also felt Maybe like, a good lesson for my daughter. I'm yeah. not, I mean, listen, I could change my mind, but I also like, Really, in terms of like movies, like about teenagers, this is pretty tame. And I don't really have any interest in like something gritty like that. Like I don't I I kind of want the movie to protect both the actors and the characters. And I think, um, yeah, I just I sort of. And in my mind, I mean, this maybe I'm kind of like an old woman, but I was like, my friend's grandmother's going to watch this, and I just need to make sure she's okay. <laughs> what was your What was your influential movie, Sersha? What was my? Do you Watson? have one? Because I mean, you've been an actor almost your whole life, but did you have that one movie that pulled, kind of pulled you out of the screen and became your movie? When I was younger. Yeah, at any age. Yeah, when I was younger, um, <clears throat> I realized that I watched a lot of movies that were about female friendships. They mm. were the things that I was drawn yeah. to. So things like, um, I mean, I watched a lot of like old, old movies as well with with my mom and dad. But the film, I used to do this thing. I think a lot of kids do. I don't know if your daughter was the same where you would watch the same movie every yes. single night. Like yeah. as you'd fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So I went through a stage where Dirty Dancing was the movie oh, for wow. me. That I, I don't know why I was allowed to watch it when I was a child. But um. I used to watch that a lot. Sister Act. I used to watch an awful lot. Um, when I got older, Bridesmaids and things like that. It was always, it always seemed to be about women sort of like helping each girls other. Girls Trip's and like I only, that too. I only re- yeah. yeah, Girls yeah. Trip is like that too. Oh, I love that um, movie. Yeah. And I only realized that 
recently. Um, and obviously there, there's films that I've watched like once off films like, you know, Rebel Without a Cause or something, which I felt totally sane in and and loved. But the films that I watched religiously yeah. were usually films about friendship, I think. What about Clueless? Was that one and for Clueless, you? Clueless yeah. is the other one I used to watch all the time. Cool. All you the know time. what's one now? Clueless it's the was... version for that of... The next generation is Mean Girls. Mean Girls. I yeah. love my daughter. Like, I love Mean Girls. For her and her friends <laughs> over and over again. Well, Mean Girls actually came out when I was in college. Yeah. And I remember it was written by Tina Fey. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I was just getting a sense of I, I was writing stuff. I, I kind of, I loved performing, but I thought maybe what I, I, I was just starting to come and see the idea of like I could make my own stuff. And I was just. I just loved Mean Girls yeah. and I loved that yeah. she wrote it. And, you know, later uh, again, I was an adult, but like with Bridesmaids, like, you know, the, the, the Annie Momolo and Kristen Wiig wrote that mm-hmm. together. And, and it was about that. Like those those movies were were big for me, even though I wasn't specifically in the comedy world. Mm-hmm. I think I have always th- those were the places where I felt people pushing yeah, um, against always against whatever standards there were. But yeah, I mean, I had tons of movies. I mean, my my watching, my, my like, I watched it a hundred times was actually like pretty in pink. Mm, well, so it. that's my generation is mm. the John Hughes. Yeah. Like Breakfast Club and all and those like. I mean, something I didn't, I mean, I, I very much wanted to make this movie where the core emotional relationships were, you know, more about, it was definitely her and her mother, but also her and her friend and not make it about whether or not she gets a guy but mm. at the same time those those it's movies so important met, yeah they were yeah. still important and those movies meant a lot to me and i think not in small part because um she was so real she just seemed like a real girl and she didn't look p- perfect she 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 seemed um she seemed utterly herself. And that was um, something that was always just really appealing. And, and it's there's something really refreshing about watching Molly just like be miserable. Like there's scenes yeah. where she's just a bit like she's just over it. Yeah. And it's nice to see a young girl on screen who's not sort of like all put together and all smiles and is sort of, you know, easy on the eye in every way. I mean, like even emotionally. I always think about that scene in Broad City where the girls are walking down (laughs) the street and you can't see it because you can just hear us, but um, where the guy walks past and he says, why don't you girls smile? And they like flip him the bird and smile at the same time. And, you know, it's so... And you get that in Clueless as well and, yeah. and in all these great films where it's about real people, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, and Clueless all the was... highs and lows. That, Clueless that, that's was like, that's like my one of the number best, one. That's like yeah. one of the best... I, I still think that stands as like one of the best movies. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not even a high school movie. It's just great. It's great. It's just great. Yeah. And Cher Horowitz is a genuinely amazing <laughs> creation. And... <laughs> Her best friend Dion were both named after pop stars of the seventies. Right. 
My mom was a total Betty. <laughs> Isn't she a Betty? She Isn't died she Betty? during a routine liposuction. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I think Sorry. yours is going to have a rewatchable run on cable. I hope so. I mean, it's very one of those quotable you can kind of dive already. Into. Oh, it's yeah. thirty minutes in. Oh, yeah, watch twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah. I have a quality. Like when I'm editing, I said this to my editor. Um, something clicks in for me, and I had this a little bit with movies that I've written that um, Noah Baumbach directed that we wrote together, Francis yeah. Han, Mistress America. Something will click in at a certain point in the editing where I feel like I can sing along with the movie almost like it's a song. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's some imperceptible thing that drops in for me. And as soon as I feel like I can sing along with it, I I know it's close. Um, But it's a weird thing. It's Mm -hmm. like... It, 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 it so so people because people say because you watch the movie hundreds and hundreds of times people say is it do you get you know tired of watching it or do you stop being able to see it and you do in a way and that's why it's so important to have people you trust watch it but at the same time you never lose the ability to just hear it almost rhythmically like a song and feel that come like feel that sort of writing so it's like I can listen to David you know, Bowie, Ziggy Stardust as many times as I want and know every piece of it. But when it kicks in, you're like, it's still the song. Like, I don't. Yeah. Do you know? It's, it's we something. We had Paul Thomas Anderson was here last month <laughs> and was talking about he hits a point when he's making a movie that he can't even see it anymore. Yeah. It's like this giant thing. Yeah. That he's the only one who can see all the puzzles yeah. or the, all the pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. Nobody can help him. Nope. Yeah. They're past a certain point. His movies are longer than yours too. So it's yeah. same phenomenon. But at some point it's just like, I can't see this anymore. Yeah. You almost need like that little distance to come back from it. Yeah. It is. It's we- hard. It is weird when you feel um, like, I mean, not now I can sort of say it on the other side, but like at each stage, you know, you're asking people to, to come on this ride with you and to bring their art and what they do to it and to trust you that, yeah. <laughs> that you know that you have the whole movie in your head and that you can see I need this here I'm, this needs to be shot this way and I don't know you know I mean I, with this movie I I mean I just had this utter certainty about the movie it wanted to be and how we were going to get there but there were different points when you know you're really the only one who knows that. Yeah. And, um, and, and you kind of have to keep that sacred because it, but I, I have the, I have that moment with every stage of it. Like I have it when I'm writing cause it'll feel like a big old mess. And then at a certain point it clicks in and it feels like I can all of a sudden, um, it's like, because I know how it's built. I feel like if I fix this over there, it's not like I have to, read it through and realize I have to fix something else because of this change. I know instantly it's like, I have a sense of the whole, the whole, the whole time. And it's that, that kind of getting the sense of the whole is part of being a director is like, I know how, I know how this is all functioning as a, as almost like a, a machine. Um, Were you surprised she wasn't in it? No, I wasn't. Because I, I deliberately knew nothing about it. And when I saw it, I just assumed you were going to be in it. No. And then you were never in it. And I was like, wow, she's no. not in it. I don't have any oh, desire no. to direct no, myself. I, was gonna <laughs> yeah, say, yeah. I don't think, I mean, I really admire anyone who's able to do it. But I just think there's such a joy. And especially if you've gotten so used to being in front of the camera mm. to just go, you know what? I'm going to take a step back and watch someone else do it. Oh. So you didn't, you weren't even going to put yourself on one scene as like the cashier? No. 
I, I, I have, I don't know. It's like two different parts of my brain. Yeah. The, the acting sense. part and the directing part. I mean, I just, um, I don't, I, I, and, and I do get such genuine pleasure watching the actors work. It would just undercut my, my enjoyment. <laughs> I mean, selfishly, I enjoy watching them do it. Actually, they just, I've been asked to approve all this, like, uh, all this behind the scenes footage that they shot and, and so much of the footage it's just me looking like um maniacally happy at the monitor like yeah. looking at something or standing next to the camera and just grinning like an idiot because it's just I love watching people kind of be brave and crazy and figure it out it's yeah. it's my favorite it's like my favorite thing so Do you you finished this movie yeah. And you're, I mean, how many movies are you making a year? Oh, so you had a crazy year. I had, it was the craziest year that year. I did a 20-week run of a play, which was oh, very Jesus. intense, and then Lady Bird, and then another film in the UK straight afterwards. Because so like, Lady Bird's such a end. personal movie. How do you go from you're inhabiting this character and it's this emotional experience, and then all of a sense, like, all right, here's my next job. It was, it was hard. It was hard. It wasn't hard to shift the crucible because I was ready. We had, you know, I think we had we had done that and we were all ready to, to move on to the next thing. And it was actually quite nice to go from something that was so dark um, to something that had so much sort of joy and love in it. So that was yeah. fantastic. But it, it was, you know tricky because there was like a week where we were still yeah, shooting ladybird yeah. and then i had to go and rehearse the next thing and i just realized someone said it to me recently that they're the same they're they're monogamous when it comes to work and they can't think about anything else and i think i'm the same like some people are most people are really i think they have to be really really great at just kind of going from one thing to the next but i'm just really not good at it yeah um so it was a good it was a good lesson in that way that I need like time in between jobs. But um, I think I only started to properly grieve for Lady Bird like once the next film was done. And then mm -hmm. I had like six mm -hmm. months off. And I remember it was like it was all I could think about mm -hmm. was that job. And, you know, going through the whole motions of missing everyone and missing her and then also thinking oh god could I have done better and chip maybe I should have done this scene this way and you know you go through all of that but it was like a delayed it was a delayed reaction mm. um what kind of career do you want to have who's your role model I want to have a career where I can also have a life and I can also do other things and you know I think the great thing about film is that you can really um, inhabit a character and, and learn the skills that they have which can be great so yeah. you'll get to sort of pick up all these skills on the way which can give you a taste for for doing something whether it's learning a language or learning how to properly horse ride or you know something like that Um, but I think what the year before last taught me is that where I'm at right now if I can have like months and months and months to prepare for one job and put all my energy into that, almost like you are producing it in a way, yeah. that's what I would want to do. Um, because I, I loved the mindset that 
I was in when I was a child and I think you can still have it when you're older as well where everything is just about that one film Mm. and you're not thinking about you know meetings or Mm. other jobs that you've signed up to a year in advance or whatever but just putting all of your energy into one thing so if I can if I can do that I think I'll be happy is she the most normal former child actor ever (laughs) oh yeah well that's that's down to that's down to her parents and her mom I mean like her mom is like one of the best people I've ever met and like it, and also you didn't you weren't she was in movies but she wasn't like a movie star kid like she no. lived in Ireland right she wasn't on a Nickelodeon show no, no yeah. it wasn't like it was it was like a thing she did but it wasn't who she was right and I think that that's I mean I think to me that's the thing it, like it never merged with her identity in a way that was gonna like combat I mean and that's what you always hope for anyone is that like you take great pleasure and pride in what you do but it's not the thing that gives you value as a person I mean I think whether you're a child actor or not that's Mm. something that you know is always a sign of sanity when you're like that's a part of what I do it's true that's what I do but it's not who I am and um but yeah she's um she's also just I mean close your ears but yeah don't listen um no she's just like I mean I knew it while we were making it, but also like in retrospect, I mean, she, she's not only one of the most gifted actors, she's she's utterly supportive of everyone, not just the other actors, but the crew. Um, like she's the crew's favorite person. Oh. She almost approaches it like a crew member. Like she's just down and totally... Um, you know, the hardest working person. Like, it, it, there's no there's no airs. And she sets the tone for everyone because she was in every single scene and she was working so hard and she was already coming off of this play. And I think everybody just rose to her spirit that she I'm had. I'm 25% Irish, so I'm 25% super proud right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. you should I'm be. I'm super proud of you. I'm a quarter proud right now. <laughs> your, your eyes are Irish. Is that, your is sparkly that what eyes. That's what it is. Yeah. That's, That's why, why your I'm, eyes are so lovely. I, think, yeah. I thought they came from the Italian side, though. The, the spark- my, Italians the, don't have blue eyes. blue eyes. That's the where the eyes came from. Eyes. He was probably Irish, too, and you didn't realize. Tell me about SNL. Oh, okay. Because um, every good actor loves hosting SNL more than anything on the planet. Yeah, but they're also equally terrified right. to do it because you're you're. Well, we both did it. Greta came on and, uh, I, and she I didn't did really it. Do it. She did. No, you're we, co- we co-hosted. We co-hosted together. Um, I, I did watch. I was in the audience, so when it happened, it was she, incredible. Yeah. It was yeah. amazing. We were amazing. I, I it. it was a it was a total dream come true for me. Like honestly, out of anything that's ever happened probably even like nominations and all that sort of stuff nothing <laughs> has made my heart explode more than getting to host SNL and it you was even a total understood dream. the magnitude not even I did under- up oh, I understood it she's yeah. a comedy yeah. nerd I, more I than love anything else like comedy is my favorite favorite thing and so mm. um I didn't grow up watching it only because it didn't air in Ireland right. but I'd watch it when I was in the States and so there's like so many sketches that you can watch 
online and I'd watch like older episodes of SNL and things like that. And I just really, I love comedians. I love comedians. And I watched a documentary recently, which I think you told me about before I watched it called Dying Laughing. Oh yeah. Have you heard of that one? And I can't, I think it was uh, Chris Rock who said that he sees stand-up comedians as the the modern day philosophers because they say all the things that nobody else has the guts to say. Right. And, um, and so I just really admire them and what they do and uh, and I love the cast that they have right now. And But again, this is the great thing about doing film or TV or something like that. Like the crews are wonderful. And like I loved working with all the comedians on it, but I equally loved working with like the stagehands, the guys who were doing the cue cards, like the camera team, Lauren, like the whole, the, the writers, the producers. It, it's just a great, team and they well-oiled machine it's a well-oiled machine and they work so hard so it was incredible to do let's take a breath and talk about simply safe home security our old friends i've got some exciting news simply safe is a home security company i've worked with since they had only 10 employees i've watched them transform into the fastest growing home security in the nation protecting over 2 million people and now they've just released their brand new home security system the all new Simply Safe, completely rebuilt and redesigned. They've added new safeguards to protect against power outages, down Wi Fi, cut landlines, bats, hammers, everything in between. The all new Simply Safe was redesigned to be practically invisible with sensors so small you can blanket your home in protection and never notice. You know who will notice? Intruders. Even better, this new system goes for the same fair and honest price 24 7 protection for only $15 a month, no contracts. Smaller, faster, stronger, anything they built before. Supply is very limited. Visit simplysafebs.com right now to order Simply Safe with two eyes. That is simplysafebs.com. Back to the podcast. So with Ladybird, obviously there's some Oscar potential. Mm. And you guys were just at the Golden Globes, yes. which was pretty weird. It was so you guys win the thing and it was there's so many other storylines going on and meanwhile yeah, this is yeah. like one of the great achievements yeah. to win what, what was that night like i mean i was I, I mean you know it was it was thrilling to be there um I, at when we got the nominations it was mm. sort of like oh wow. my god and that came in early december and that yeah. was like right when i was like oh this movie's working and then this and mm. um mm. And it was just, I mean, it was, it, it was amazing. It was amazing to be there. And then to see Oprah. And then to see Oprah. Oh Oprah's speech was unbelievable. Oprah's speech was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. And um, I was actually backstage because I was ready. I was coming out to present, which my friends later told me. <laughs> my girlfriends were like, yo, you looked real scared when you were reading that teleprompter. And they said they, they had, they sent me a video of all of them being like, get through it, get through it. It doesn't make sense, but you're saying all the words. And I was like, teleprompters are terrifying. Anyway, it was, it was amazing. And then, I mean, when Sush won, I screamed so loud. And then, and then, you know, she got up there. It was beautiful. But then I sort of had this feeling of like, we won our thing. Yeah. Like I kind of was like, and that was amazing. And she won her thing. But in my mind, I was like, 
And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they and then five name, minutes later, five minutes later, I was like, wait, what? It was just, I mean, it, it for whatever reason, you winning made me think like, what a great night. It's yeah. over. Well, that's because I mean, if 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 Lady Bird wins, I think it's for the whole film. Yeah. Like it's for yeah. you and it's for everyone. It's for everyone. I yeah. mean, it was just, it was also because everyone, especially with indies, you know, you put so much you put so much into it and everybody who works on it puts so much like so much time and energy and heart and soul and 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 that the film is rewarded it's really for every single person who worked on it like i i it it made my heart explode for all of them i was just so proud part of the narrative has become it's become such an important film because of just where we are and all the stuff that's Mm, happening right now but I yeah. still feel like you would have made this movie in any year, right? Yeah, it I mean, almost I seems like you talked about being in the zeitgeist. Yeah, that was. I think it was just un- not great. obviously just kind of happened. Yeah. but you could have made this movie ten years ago, <laughs> ten years from now. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I when I was writing it again, like you know, it's just how it worked out. Like when I I was writing it, it just the way things fell, and then when I met Sersha. And we read the script and then she was, you know, she had this play to do and Brooklyn was opening. And and so we basically had a year before we started shooting. So just the way the timing worked out, I mean, it was it was all very fortuitous, but it was not I I didn't plan it this way. It just happened to work out this way. But I feel um, I just feel so. I mean, personally, just the the idea that this will enable me to continue to make movies and to figure out how to not just make my own movies, but figure out how to make other people's movies and Did get you feel into like this was production. Like, because yeah. it's so hard for female directors, like this yeah. was your one chance? Um, you know, to be totally honest, yeah. I, I, did, I did feel like... Uh, if you screw this up, you're not getting another opportunity. You know, I've st- <laughs> I talked this through with um, a, a few people and I kind of had this tear. I was like, it's got to be good. Otherwise, we I can't. I mean, I don't I didn't think like it would be like this, but I was like, it's got to be good. Otherwise, I'm not going to get another crack at it. Right. Um, That's kind of crazy. But, yeah. you know, the thing that I actually did come to while I was going through it is I was like, you know, I had someone, a friend say to me, like, well, what happens if it's not good? And I said, well, it'll be a lot harder to make the next one. Mm. And she said, well, then what are you going to do then? And I said, well, I just make the next one for no money. And she was like, all right. And then what happens? And I was like, hopefully people like it. And she's like, and what if they don't? I was like, well, then I'll just make the next one. Yeah. Like, you kind of have to be like, it's 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 like, you know, I had this feeling of like, this has got to work. And then I also had this feeling of, but if it doesn't, you have to be okay with fa- you have to be okay with both realities. And I just got to the point where I was like, I'd rather try and fail than never have tried at all. Um, and also, I think at that point, I was just so sure that I was ready to be a director. I was like, even if this is a complete belly flop, I'll make the next one. I'll scrounge up some amount of money. I'll figure out how to do it really small. Like I just, I just at that point was like, I don't think anything's gonna. S- stop slow me down yeah so it was a it was both it was like i need i need this to work and also even if it doesn't i'm gonna keep going what do you see happening with hollywood this year what how do you see the next 12 months playing out i think women are gonna 
get a lot more meetings with studios than they did I mean, before. That's true. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's like, where's the yeah, lady director? Can we get more yeah. ladies in for <laughs> the weekly meetings? Thanks. I know. Yeah, I think that's what's going to start to happen. We're not going to see the difference in the work for another oh, yeah. couple of years. Couple, couple of years, years at yeah. least, you know, because things are going to need to go into development. Women are going to obviously um, be working hard to um, have something to go in with, and which they do already. And I think they'll just be given more of a chance. Um, I think, I think so. things that would have automatically <clears throat> gone to guys, yeah. like... Things where they'll you, rethink that. They'll rethink yeah. it. They'll be like, "Well, wait, can we get? Is there a woman who had a short film at Sundance who maybe could take the helm? Mm. Like, you know, just movies that, um, and you know, they don't tend to yeah. get to direct. And you know what it is as well. It's you know, it also needs to get to a point not where it's it's sort of like, oh, let's get a female director because she's a woman because you know we need to have the token female director. Right. Yeah. It they just need to open up the floodgates so that everyone has a chance. Mm. To show well, there's probably going to be do. more female producers. Yeah, I hope who so. will be looking a little more outside the well, box. Well, there's for there's things. friends of mine who have worked with other studios and they've gone to work with some of the newer <laughs> distributors. Um, yeah. and they are they are high up and they're sort of like at the helm of it all, and that's been great to And that's only happened for them in the last couple of years. So you, can, I can see it shifting with people I know even. Yeah. I think for actors, giving actors a chance to direct a movie. Yeah. And yeah. I, by actors, I mean well, male or female. Yeah. In the old days, it was always right. the actor. Well, this, and now this it's is like the, now I think yeah, this like is you the other thing is that I've found um, that actors, especially actresses, female actors, have gotten to the point where they're so sick of having to wait for the right role to come along yep. that they're just starting up their own production companies. Yeah. They're getting producers together they know. They're writing their own material. They're developing their own stuff. They're using their own contacts and they're making their own stuff. So there's a lot more actors that are becoming more hands-on because I think people, men and women, are getting to a point where they're sort of like, I don't, not that it's always necessarily like this, but it's very easy to sort of feel like you're just a puppet. Yeah. Um, and people don't quite get you or they don't know where to put you or something. So I think that actors are starting to form more alliances now and make their own stuff too. I think that's true. I was, I was really worried. I mean, obviously I'm older than you guys, but mm. I felt like things were moving toward TV the last few years. Yeah. yeah. And that movies were becoming less and less interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I didn't know whether it was because we'd beaten too many of the ideas mm. in the ground or whether TV mm. was more fun to explore for eight episodes versus an hour and a half. Yeah. And I feel like 2017, I thought was a great movie year. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. I, I actually like just going in and out of the world of a movie for an hour 40 more mm. than committing to like this 11 episode TV show. I've right. swung the other yeah. way. Yeah. And like Lady Bird, like being able to see that on a Saturday, I intentionally didn't know anything. Mm. I'm with my daughter. We go in. Mm. I'm hoping it's good. And it was awesome. And we laughed. And she was like, oh my God, let's. She was like, when is that again? Should we see it tomorrow? I'm like, no, we're going to give it a couple. But it was, I, I still think there's a place. Yeah. I still think movies are going to yeah. resonate more than TV, well, as, as great as TV is. I think, I mean, I, I, I think 
I, I mean, it's like a longer discussion in terms of like what. what I mean, I think there's a, there's such great work being done on television in in all forms, like like whether it's you know miniseries or episodic television or the the, like, the seven episode ones. It seems like that's yeah. going right. to be like the Big Little Lies. I thought was great. Yeah, yeah, and also just that <laughs> sort of busting the form open yes. in terms of what it can be. And I do think what I will say is I think there have been you know people in television, especially in like this HBO Showtime Netflix Amazon spaces that took risks on creators who you know were outside of what we think of as a you know a, right. a typical creator and because of that it's been really like vibrant and exciting i think for me i i um i love television and but people always ask me oh like, would you write television would you make a television show and i totally would because I think it's amazing, but I think it's a totally separate discipline. It's a different muscle. It's yeah. a different muscle. And I think it's not that I can't develop that discipline, but I feel like I've spent, you know, over 10 years now working in movies and over 10 years trying to get my wrap my head around this form and the way this form works. And I I feel like I've got a, a sense of it, and um, I but like so. Like Lady Bird could have been a Netflix series, right? It could have been eight episodes. It wouldn't have been as good. Well, it wouldn't. You have, could have strung it out and right made it happen, but it would have. It just wouldn't have been the same. I don't well, think. it's just not my form. Yeah. It's like it's almost like uh, it's almost like it's just not it, my form. Is this so? I think in terms of movies. I think in ter- terms of closing a narrative arc and. Um, and and I, one of my very favorite people who's a television writer is, um, and a good friend of mine, Liz Merriweather, and she made New Girl yeah. and she's making a new show. We had worked on writing something together and I, and her, our brains are, are quite different when we look at narrative issues. Right. Um, she's thinking like... She's thinking of always how long, to leave something open. Away. Yeah. And I'm always thinking of how to close it. Hmm. And it's just a different, mm. it's not that, I mean, it's not that I could never get there. It's just, I think sometimes there's, particularly with um, movie people, sometimes I think there can be this sense of like, it's just a long movie. It's not yeah. just a long movie. It's its own form. I mean, my most shocking moment with the movie was when it ended. Yeah. I'm so used to movies being 15 minutes too long. I know. And yours just ended. I'm mm. like, oh, we get out. I'm looking at my daughter. I'm like, <laughs> It's over? What happened? I thought she was getting to college. I thought we'd had another half no, hour. No. And then that was it. Yeah. No. Um, I, I like I like that feeling of like You left me wanting more. Yeah. Like uh, uh, you and know. And I was like, Am I ever are we ever gonna see Lady Bird again? What happens? Is it gonna be a sequel? Scott Rudin, who's one of the producers and he also produces plays, he yeah. said something to me. Um, not about this movie, but he said the best review you can get for a play is the runtime in the review. This <laughs> is <laughs> uh, ninety minutes of sheer adrenaline. Right. <laughs> and like, and I, I, but I, you know, I didn't, I didn't plan it that way. I did know this was another thing that was useful for me is because of the movies I'd written with Noah. I knew that my the pacing of my movies is faster than the page count, and yeah. um. You know, our script was about 120 pages and I knew I would use almost all of it and it would go faster than everybody thought because yeah. there was this feeling of like, is it too long? And I was like, not the way I'm going to It was actually this. a distinctive style. Yes. Like I I, yeah. I noticed it and I'm not like, yeah. I love movies, but I'm not like a super film nerd where I'm like, oh, I love the jump cut. But yeah, it was, it definitely had a pace mm-hmm. that seemed intentional and 
It's it's the way I don't know. I remember reading like Howard Hawks when he was shooting his Girl Friday. That script was like really long, and they yeah. were like, "You're never gonna get through all this." And he was like, "They're gonna say it so fast." <laughs> and then so so it's like it was like a two hundred page script, and they wow. got through it so fast. Are you guys sports fans or no? I'm baseball. So you know Sacramento's never won anything. I. <laughs> <laughs> The, yes. Kings, the, the Kings, Kings the Kings should have won the 2002 the title. Uh, that was By my, way, that was my senior that in the year. Movie. That, that was been my, my one. senior year of yeah. high school when um, to the, the spring of 2002, and it was a heartbreaker. Yeah, it, it was, was the worst thing that ever happened to Sacramento. And was everybody, that everybody put up in their window the Kings like emblem. Everyone was cheering for everybody. They wearing stole purple the NBA every title day. away from the Kings, the oh, refs, no. and the Lakers oh. won the series. How, how did they steal it from them? It was the game? most, it was it the was worst tragic. officiated game six. Oh, My point yeah. is, if you win, <laughs> if you win one of these Oscars, this would, Sacramento's, this would be the payback oh, for the oh God, two I mean, playoffs. I, I, they, I, my brother sent me a text of, there. there's a billboard up in Sacramento that has um, congratulations to Lady Bird. Oh. Hashtag Sacramento Proud. It's been a lot of losing. It's been a lot of losing there. Um, no, we're coming back. Also, the Kings got a new arena now. New arena, and new they're owners. Like, I, yeah. I think they're really... I think they're going to turn it around. I think the Kings are going to be, they're going to surprise everything, everyone. There was this weird story about how Northern California is is trying to secede and become the 51st state that I read uh, yesterday. Southern California? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's like it is like Sacramento and Fresno and, and, Chico and Chico and all these different places are trying to split. And they're like, yeah, no, I mean. So it's, keep an eye on that. Who it knows? Is, it is a very different one because like when I, I feel like when people think of California, they're like, oh, you must have gone to L.A. all the time. And it's like. I literally never went to LA. It's an eight-hour no drive. Yeah. So, it's also Sacramento is so different today. So here. different. Yeah. Like, I mean, really is, feels is like a Ireland state. bigger than LA? I don't even. Ireland's bigger than LA, but I think it's about the same size as Maine. You can fit about yeah. eight Irelands into Texas. Eight right. Irelands yeah. into Texas. Yeah. Wow. Oh. I still want to go. I have to go see. Twenty five percent of my body is always yeah right around. yeah I gotta go see the home end quarter of you um, there. thank you ladies thank you good luck with the uh, good luck with the thank award you. season <laughs> this was fun I um, hope you both feel better I know yeah. <laughs> we'll switch ailments hopefully <laughs> we survive I'll be through all the what's the Ladybird DVD um, March yeah. I think it's March oh, it's coming March extra stuff at the end of March there's uh, some extra stuff yeah her, her drinking with the crew. Yeah, just her like yeah. cracking <laughs> open a beer. Just being like, tell me about your blight truck. We, we had a few nights like that. <laughs> we did. We actually we did. did. We I'd did. find Greta like by the grip truck at the end well, of the, the day. Grip, the grip truck that they had. Their little backpack grips, and our beer. They had, they, had, they had a party they bus. They had a party bus. They had all these late lights rigged up yeah. that would switch colors. They'd like synchronize to the music. They'd synchronize oh, to the music. Like, they had like a yeah, full... A full mini fridge of beer. Yeah. And it was honestly like after a long day of shooting, especially like on a Friday, it would be like, get yourself an apple box and sit by the grip truck. <laughs> and I was always by the You were the truck. first one there. I was like, I'm done for the week. I gotta wow. I gotta sit. I remember one one time you did take over the music and you were like Because they kept playing they kept trying techno. to be cool. Yeah. Like indie techno. Yeah. And you were like 
I can't do how see, you by the way, it, they, but you were I, like play Rihanna <laughs> just give the people what they want I forgot that Dave, Dave Matthews I'm not sure yeah. which generation belongs in yeah because I was like early mid 20s then when that yeah. first album and I kind of felt like that was mine but I think for your yeah. generation you kind of claimed it and I don't know I don't know yeah. who gets it, it we I don't to. know who it belongs to I mean I it, I remember I first heard it when I was younger than Ladybird but yeah in this way of like, people still got music from the radio. So like hits from the 90s right. were still playing in the early 2000s. Like it wasn't. It, wasn't, it was almost like a little n- n- tweak of nostalgia. Yeah. And also things fade much faster now than they faded then. I like agree. if you turn on the alternative station in Sacramento, they still had like Dave and um, Dave to- towed the wet sprocket. They had like, Dave. For, Dave. First name. Dave. Dave. First right, name. Base's name. DMB. Okay. We got to go. Bye. Bye. All right, coming up, Francesa Fridays with Mike Francesa, and we'll make our round three picks. But first, a break. Hey, if you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead for things like, I don't know, Valentine's Day, there's an awesome app called Hotel Tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. Unlike flights, hotel rates usually get cheaper at the last minute. Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those deals along to you. Not for last resort places, but for cool, top-rated hotels. They have over 15,000 awesome partners in 36 countries, perfect for a spontaneous getaway or a trip you've wanted for a while. You can actually book a room with Hotel Tonight up to seven days in advance. Even book up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. I've been booking a few times. I actually, thanks to my daughter's soccer tournaments, the HT Perks program has helped me out. And whether you need a sweet deal in a nice room for today, the winter, Valentine's Day, or beyond, you definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. Start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app. Back to the podcast. All right. We've been calling it Francesa Fridays. What do you think of that? You like that, Mike Francesa? I like it. it. Francesa Fridays. Uh, Last week, you lucked out. I was destroying you. I was destroying you with the picks. I was two oh, and one. But, uh, you, you were like you were like eighty games under five hundred before last week. So I, you listen, know we don't want to bring that up. But go ahead. A, a win's a win, and I was up two <laughs> one. You were you were one one and two, and I was right. about to win on the uh, on the Saints, right. and then all of a sudden, one of the biggest miracles in the history of football happened, and you get a push. It, it, you it, get a push. It, you know, after this, after this, the Vikings would have spent the entire offseason wondering how they ever gave that game back. I mean, yeah. they had the game completely under control until fall until uh, uh, Case Keenum decided after the first touchdown when their defense just needed to get a, a second off the field and to reorganize. To throw that pass was just so ill-advised. I mean, it was yeah. unbelievable. And that one, you know, started them in a, a very different direction. And really, uh, they never got it going. But I got to be fair here. I saw vulnerabilities in the fourth quarter in that Minnesota defense that yeah. we had not seen. And they did not they did not distinguish themselves under pressure. And if they are going to face a Tom Brady in two weeks, they're going to have to be much better than they were in that game. I mean, that that's ju- that's just a given. Uh, but let's say this, you know, I know the overall theme this week coming in is uh, Brady's injury, which we'll get to. But uh, I was thinking about it. If it's Brady with Bortles, Foles and Keenum, shouldn't Brady have to throw left handed anyway? I mean, I mean, it's, it's the only thing Come that's on. equitable. I mean, is that he actually throws left hand. He's been properly cr- crippled to fit in with those other guys, I think. <laughs> yeah, yes, I gather the gods have done that. And that is the overriding course. 
first of all, you're dealing with a place that gives out, uh, you know, less information uh, than the uh, White House does, and, and that is the PAC. So you can never trust anything that comes out of the PAC. So you really have to take all this. I, I don't care how close you might think you are to the past. You ha- when it comes to injuries to their players, you have to actually be in the room, see it with your own eyes, and then I'd only believe half of what I saw because that's how crazy they are about hiding injuries. So it'll be no one will have a real handle on how good or bad or how much this will affect Brady right up till game time. I don't, I don't care if you're in the room with them, you won't have a handle on this. I've heard he's legit hurt, and I've heard he's playing. He is, yes, so have I. Uh, as close as I can get to it, as confidently as I can get to it. And like I said, you got to be careful with the past when it comes to this stuff. I believe they are today extremely concerned about his hand situation. Yeah. So let's go, let's go backwards. Last weekend, we had three yeah. we had three defenses that people like Jacksonville, Philly, and Minnesota. Only one of those defenses actually acquitted themselves in a really big way. What did you learn about Jacksonville's D and Minnesota's D? Um Jacksonville's D was put in a precarious situation against that in that matchup. Nobody can stop Pittsburgh's offense. It it has too many weapons. Uh, they have such special offensive talent. It just shows you how badly coached they really are. And uh, really what you came out of last week was not so much defensive prowess because really defenses now are not defenses in the glory days of the NFL or the older days of the NFL because the rule changes have mitigated against the defense so enormously that the defense really is never now, except in the case where they can get pure pass rush. Yeah except in terms of pro because there's no way to protect against that, no way to legislate against that. They have legislated against anything else the defender does on the field. They have taken away his ability to play pass defense in the secondary completely. You can't beat somebody because your secondary plays brilliantly because you can't, they don't allow you to play brilliantly anymore. So the, the, the way the rules are, the only thing you have to have, and it can happen, is you can have a disruptive pass rush to the point where it dominates the game. And and if you don't have that, you will not never have defense that will completely dominate the game. It has to be done at the at the at the line of scrimmage. It has to be done against the against really four guys against the, your, your offensive line. If it's a blitz, it won't work against good quarterbacks like Brady. Uh, it has to be done with a, with a conventional pass rush. That's really the difference here. And you didn't see that from these teams. Um, what I really learned in these games of the three close games, put the Pat game aside. The only one in the world who thought the Pat game was going to be close for some reason was Tony Romo. Uh, other than <laughs> I that, know, poor Tony. Uh, yeah, for some reason, he thought the game was going to be very close. Other than that, nobody in the world did. Uh, you and I didn't. And we got the game exactly that we expected. I did not expect all those sacks out of the past. But other than that, we saw what we expected out, out of the Patriots. But the other three games, what you saw there were classic examples in all three games of how precious good coaching is in these games and why the Pats never beat themselves. It's not just their talent. It's their ability to play the game clean at every moment. You saw such definitive breakdowns in coaching in the Atlanta game. Yeah, in the Jacksonville game for Pittsburgh and in the Minnesota game, both ways. I mean, listen, 
Sean did some stupid things. His second challenge was mind-bogglingly bad, okay? Uh, the, the Vikings get a punt blocked, which is absolutely cannot happen in a big part of a big playoff game. It's almost impossible to get a punt blocked in a close game that in a big spot and overcome it. It's that devastating a play, and they did. Uh, because of a play where you can't even understand where the positioning was of the New Orleans defenders on that play. So these teams will make plays and disintegrate in all these games. The Pats don't. And the times the Pats have faced teams that don't, they've been in good games. And the thing the Giants did when they beat them twice was really very simple. They did not turn the ball over. They got four-man pass rush in both games, and then their quarterback made plays in the fourth quarter. And that's really what it came down to. Jacksonville can get a conventional pass rush, but I do not believe that Bortles will play the role of Eli Manning in the fourth quarters of those games. Eli Manning in those two fourth quarters made play after play. He was, I believe, 9 for 14 in the first colossal upset with 140 or 50 yards of offense. And in the other game, he was 30 or 40 for the game, but he also connected on the Manningham play and two other great plays in the fourth quarter of that game. He had great fourth quarters, no turnovers and big plays, and you're going to have to do that to beat the Patriots. Bortles, they would have to get the four-man pass rush, and they also would need Bortles to play an exceptional game. I don't think he can do that. I wrote uh, on the ringer.com today about the most shocking in-game playoff football moments I've ever seen. Where did Diggs rank for you? Uh, it, it reminded me of uh, the immaculate reception. That's really what it reminded me of. I mean, that's the play that kind of stuck in my, there's two plays that came to mind with me. One was the Drew Pearson play in Minnesota, yep. uh, which uh, I remember. And the other was the immaculate reception. It re- it reminded me of those two plays. It was so stunning that he was actually in the end zone before I actually thought I was seeing what I was seeing. I mean, right. I was I, I, I was actually thinking about how bad a loss this was for Zimmer and, and the Vikings, and how they had given away a game, and what a colossal win this was for Drew Brees's career, because Drew Brees. Not only had the uh, Saints shown patience, but Drew Brees had made some great throws in the fourth quarter of that game. I mean, he really had. And and listen, the Vikings did everything wrong. Uh, They did not change up their defenses. Uh, They did not give them a lot of different looks. Things you have to do against smart quarterbacks in those games. I was very disappointed in what Minnesota did at the end of the game. I thought they really unraveled defensively. But you also got to credit Brees the fourth down throw he made to Snead was unbelievable. Uh, just some of the plays he made. But to have that game change on the dime the way it did, so many things have to go wrong that it's hard to believe that they were positioned the way they were positioned considering what the game was about at that point. The odds on him making that play for a field goal was 30-1. to 1. The odds on him making it for a touchdown had to be 100-1. to 1. Yeah, you made a good point about Breeze because – it really would it would have changed his legacy. We always talk about legacy too much. It's a sports radio term, but he needed that kind of one last 
late career thing to push his career to another level? Because I don't think he gets the same respect as like the Brady Manning people like no, that. No, and, and he's and, and he's not on that level. He's, he's good. Not. He's really good. He's a Hall of Famer, but he, uh, he 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 could use another one, and that would have been a special one. It really would have because they stood in there and they showed patience. They really did, and and listen, they were completely dominated. I mean, after three quarters, I believe they were one for ten on third down. I mean, right. they had done nothing in that game. That game never should have got close, and they needed a couple of plays for it to happen against Minnesota. They needed the interception in the short field. They needed the block punt in the short field. So they needed two short fields. And Kamara, they have a special player. They have a a, a special, un, unguardable, disruptive player in Kamara. People will learn how to play him, but right now they have no idea how to play him. I mean, you cannot even hint to play him with a linebacker. You got to be out of your mind. And I think Michael Thomas is special too. I think they have two special players. No, they're both players. good. Yeah. They're both very good, but Kamara is unbelievable. They have, no one has a figure. Kamara is almost like a Gronkowski. They have nobody to guard him right now. They don't have anybody on their defense who could guard him. They really right. don't. It's so, funny. I mean, they're, they're unguardable players. I was watching that game, trying to decide who I wanted the Patriots to play, but also hoping that the Saints would somehow cover and then when it got to the point where it was clear uh, the Saints were going to cover, although it turns out they pushed in, in a lot of things. But when it became clear that, you know, at least I didn't have to worry about the cover and I just went into the, all right, who do I want to win? I wanted Minnesota to win. I thought the Saints were a scarier team for the Patriots. I just thought that for them to come back from the abyss like that on the road and really take over the game late and how dangerous they were. I was terrified of Thomas. I was terrified of Kamara. Um, I didn't want to play them. So I was kind of relieved, as weird as that sounds. I understand. Think about this from the other uh, uh, point of view for a second of this. Everyone's talking about the legalization of gambling in the years to come, and it will happen, there's no question. And what leagues think they have to guard against and not. Think about that scenario in that Minnesota game and realize that, let's say, 30 to 40% of the people who wagered, let's say, uh, wagered at five and a half one way or the other. So let's say 10 to 15% or 20% of the people had Vikings minus five and a half, for argument's sake. Yeah. Could you imagine the national upheaval of right. them going out there and taking a knee at, the, at that? So the NFL thought that they had rectified this by saying you must come out and do the try. But the idea what's happened is nobody comes out and now does the try anymore. They've gotten away from doing the actually kicking the extra point. They need to fix they, it. Right. They need to just end the game on the play because this doesn't work now. Now you're leaving it open to the idea of, do we run it in against the defense that doesn't care for two points? Do we kick the extra point or do we just take a knee? Now, twice this year, we've seen teams take a knee. Any way you go out and do that is going to lead it to such open speculation that what they should do now is reverse it and say the game ends on the score if there's no time on the clock, well, no extra point, because now you're leaving it to an interpretation of how the team wants to play it. Well, and then on top of that, Diggs scores the touchdown and immediately throws his helmet, which is a 15-yard penalty, right. and the ref threw the flag. You can see the flag go down after but he does that. the game was over. Right. The game is over. But if, they, if the game's not over and you have to kick the PAT, then you have to run the penalty back. So the whole thing was a mess, and you're right. If, right, if gambling was legal, people zero, would go nuts. Zero, the game is over, but they make it a rule that you must try the try. So attempt to try. They think they did that to to clear up any gambling speculation. All it has done now is create more because teams were for a while 
they were. I think if you go back and research it, you'll see teams did kick the extra point a couple of times in those in those, oh, yeah. uh, in those scenarios. Now they've gotten away from that. They just go out and take a knee, which is a different situation. So I think you don't want to open any of that to speculation. You now want to make it that the game ends on the play and so that they understand we don't know, have anybody speculate on why they did what they did. Imagine if they went in there and ran it in for two points. Well, Everyone say, oh, somebody had a bet on the game, blah, 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 blah. So there's always going to be wide speculation if you leave it the way it is now. Well, you, you just made way too much sense. And we live in Roger Goodell's world. So there's no way they're, <laughs> no they're going to fix it. Let's take a quick break and we'll do, uh, we'll do the picks. The fantasy football season is behind you. The only way to use your sports knowledge to win cash is by betting at MyBookie, the sports book that makes it easy to deposit and cash out your winnings fast. They have odds on everything, live betting, and an all-new prop builder where you can create your own bet slips. And you can bet your friends that LeBron will score 30-plus and have 10-plus assists. Why not bet it at MyBookie? Put your money where your mouth is. Bet from your desktop, tablet, or on their world-class mobile site anywhere, anytime. MyBookie offers the fastest, no-hassle payouts. When you win, join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Just use promo code Bill Simmons when making your account. Visit mybookie.ag today and bet on the internet's favorite sports book where you play, you win, and you get paid. Back to the podcast. All right. So we have the two lines. We have the Patriots. The line was nine or nine and a half for most of the week, and it's dropped to seven and a half. And I actually think it's going to drop to seven by the weekend. And then you have the Eagles getting three again. At home, two straight weeks, home dogs uh, in Philly against the Vikings. The early game is the Patriots. It looks like I'm surprised to to hear this and read this, but it looks like the weather is going to be in the 45 to 47 degree range. Yes, weather's going to be good. Which is good for Tom weather Brady's broken hand. Yeah, good for the broken well, hand. Yes. Um, and, now, uh, uh, and there we go. go ahead. So what do you got? Well, here, here's what I think. First of all, you know, we're going to go on this Brady Hey, it is what it is. We know he's going to play. The question is, how much is he going to be impacted? We're just not going to know. We're going to have to live with it. Uh, it has, as you said, brought the line down. So the line will be somewhere. So let's, let's use set, you. You decide what you want to use. Seven and a half. Line, I'll let you. Yeah, okay. it's seven and a half right um, now. Okay. Uh, I believe that in every area of this team, first of all, let me say this. People have brought up, especially in Boston, the Tom Coughlin scenario and the Tom Coughlin uh, overshadowing of the game. It's ludicrous. They've given it way too much credence. It's ludicrous. He is not the coach of this team. Uh, Marone, who is a Coughlin disciple, still is the coach of this team. Marone even diffused that this week by saying he's never watched either of the giant wins against the Patriots on film. Okay, so the bottom line is it is overdone completely. Now, with that said, they are built, though, to do what those giant teams did in one area and completely they aren't built in the other area. They are built to have a four man pass rush. They are built that way. They have players who can be uh, disruptive. They have got to get the best out of their best pass rushers if they can get a four-man pass rush, this will be a ball game. If they, do, if they do not, and I believe what the Pats are going to do is the Pats are going to come out. They are going to go to a 
very, very quick offense. They are going to go to a uh, no-huddle offense. They are going to spread them out. They are going to dink and dunk it, especially if his hand is bad. They're going to go to three-step drops. It's going to be boom, 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 boom. They're not going to let him substitute, and they're going to wear him down. That's They're going to run a million plays, and that's what they're going to do, and they're going to try and take the starch out of him early and make sure they took the starch out of him in the fourth quarter if they need it. That's what they're going to do to, to them. I think it will work. I think Jacksonville thinks they're ready for this. I don't think they understand what they're up against. I think they've talked a little too much. They have young players who have not shut their mouths this week. I think the Pats will close them. The other part of this is the other part of that scenario that everyone is so scared about in Boston, the the four-man pass rush, the presence of Coughlin. You do not have Eli Manning in this game. You have a bad quarterback who last week was allowed to do good things because the Steelers are completely inept in every way in terms of how they are coached. They are coached miserably now. Tomlin has gone from being a superb coach to a bad coach. He, maybe he's got a good coach in there somewhere now. We haven't seen it in years. Their decision-making and their defensive approach was laughable in that game. Absolutely laughable that he didn't kick off and went for the onside kick. Forget how bad the onside kick effort was. was ridiculous. The guy cost his team touchdowns worth of points last week. Uh, Steelers with their offense should have overwhelmed Jacksonville. They moved the ball at will in that game. Um, There's no way they won't take the starch out of Jacksonville. Conversely, I don't believe in Bortles. He did good things last week. I don't think he'll be there for this one. I think the Pats have their defense ready to go. I saw very good things from the Pat defense last week. I think they're, they're ready for a big effort. I think Despite the Brady situation, I expect a lot of short dink and dunk, a lot of open backfield looks, a lot of dink and dunk and, and tempo game by, and multiple play runs for the Pats, keeping the ball long field. They're going to drop seven, rush four, and look for them to make it a long game that way. I still think the Pats win this game 10 to 14 points. Give me mm-hmm. New England minus seven and a half. I agreed with everything you said about the no huddle, speed the game up, keep the Jags defense on the field. Cause I think that was the plan and we saw them do it against the Titans last week. And it is like the, the thing the Pats can do any week and they don't do it as much during the regular season. Cause they don't really need to, they don't want to show it. I think there's probably only so many audibles and signals you can do at the line that they don't just want to do it for 20 straight weeks, but they can do it whenever they want. And anytime they really need to do it against a good defense, it's there. Brady's the best at it. He goes to the line. He reads everything. And I thought that's what they were going to do in this Jags game. I am really worried about the hand. I don't like, I just, just two decades of following this team during the Brady Belichick era, all the signs are bad. And to, to ask him to throw 50 plus times when he's clearly hurt makes me nervous. And the, it's over a touchdown. We've seen this Jaguars team in different variations over the years in Foxboroughs to mixed degrees of success. I think the best examples were the uh, the Sanchez Jets team, the Ravens team in 09 that beat them up pretty bad. Um, the Ravens team in 2012 that really would have won if Lee Evans had just held on to that pass for one more second. So we, we've seen kind of the recipe for the ugly game, defense, keep the pats off the field, rush up the middle. The Jags are built like this, 
And as you said, the one the one caveat is is Bortles any good? I don't know. The Steelers weren't pressuring him last week, and he got really comfortable and looked really good. The Patriots showed that they had a pass rush last week, but that was against Tennessee, who lost their best offensive lineman during the game, who wasn't good to begin with. And it makes me nervous. I, I wish this line was three and a half, but unfortunately it's seven and a half. And I cannot take the Pats minus seven and a half and then have Brian, Ho- Brian Hoyer in the game in the third quarter. It, it just makes me too nervous. So I'm taking the points. I'm picking the Pats 20 to 19. What well, listen, I understand you. Listen, I understand you split the baby, but in most times in playoff games, you usually don't win. It, ha- it happens very rarely that you win. Uh, you win, don't but cover. don't cover. You, you, yeah. yeah, it's true. Yeah, it you, happened twice in round happen one. A lot. In round one, right. it happened it, it, twice. Right. Last year, yeah, it never it, happened. It doesn't happen a lot. But listen, my feeling is if they're behind in the fourth quarter and Bortles has to make a play, yeah. it's going back the other way for a touchdown. I mean, I really believe he will not. He got to play these games without a lot of pressure. He yeah. made plays against the Steelers. I can't say he didn't. But the Steelers allowed him easy reads on anything he wanted. They gave him nothing to look at. They did not take away anything from him. The Pats will take away everything he wants to rely on. And I don't see this guy going through his second and third receivers and beating people. I do not see him doing that. And Belichick will make him bring the ball down and he will make him make extra reads and he will make him take the ball to his second and third choices. And I just don't think he's capable on the pressure of doing that. And I think he will. And I think the Pats have multiple ways now to move the ball. They have a running game, which they haven't had. And, they, and they'll be able to dink and dunk it. They have all their weapons healthy. They have everybody back for the first time all year on offense. Yeah. Every single guy is back. And they have so many varied guys who can catch the ball three and four yards and then stretch the field. Two things they're going to be stressing in Jacksonville. I can hear them right now. Number one is going to be four-man pass rush. We have to get to the quarterback to win. It's going to be what Tom preached. It's going to be what Marone preaches. The other thing is going to be we can't let them yards after the catch. Yards after the catch are going to be critical because they're going to catch these short passes. They're going to try and hit seams and run with them. Well, they're going to hit these short passes, and they're going to hit seams, and they're going to run with them. And I don't care if Tom Brady has to throw it out there with two fingers on it. He's going to get it to enough guys to make plays. And I just don't believe. You're so much more confident than I am. I, I don't believe that with the game on the line that Jacksonville's ready for this. You know, most people ridiculed them. In the, last week gave them no chance in Pittsburgh and they went in and they've matched up great against Pittsburgh. They yeah. have, and let's be honest, Pittsburgh did not prepare for them. Pittsburgh even talked about playing past them. Pittsburgh didn't eat, acted like they weren't even an obstacle. Yeah, okay? they were, and they, they got super their sloppy. lunch and they got their lunch. But remember, if they don't get two defensive touchdowns, they don't win that game. Pittsburgh moved the ball up and down the field at will in that game. Yep. And they got two defensive touchdowns, Jacksonville. If they don't get those, they don't win that game. And they got a stupid onside kick for three more points. They handed them 17 points. The Pats won't hand them a point. They handed them 17 points. To me, that's why I think everyone will go against. I hear, I've had 10 people tell me Jacksonville's going to upset them already. I've had mm. people in the league tell me Jacksonville's going to upset them. Everybody's jumping off the Brady bandwagon. That's when I want to be on it the most. Okay. I'm there minus seven and a half. Now the other game, 
I hated laying points with the Falcons. I told you that last week. I congratulate you on the on on the Eagle pick. It was a good one. Um, I really thought the Falcons were going to score when they had first and goal their season. And Sarkeesian, it was announced today, is coming back, which is a, a, just absurd. But he is coming back. Uh, he's the only guy in the league who can figure out a way to stop Julio Jones. He did, okay? You know, it used to be the old one. Who, who was the only guy ever to stop Michael Jordan? It was Dean Smith. Well, the only guy who ever stopped Julio Jones was the Falcon offensive coordinator because the idea that Julio Jones couldn't find the end zone all year was a joke. And their play calling there, those four plays will live in infamy. That's how bad they were. <laughs> they should have won that game. Their play before the half was atrocious. It cost them points. Uh, the Eagles in this game, to me, have they, one thing they did in the game that I got to give them great credit for. They made big kicks, give the kicker great credit. They also pushed the Falcon defense, which is small around. I don't think they'll be able to run it a lick on Minnesota. If they can't, that will force push Foles into passes he can't make. If they can get Foles into a handful of third and longs, it's going to be a nightmare for Philly. If Philly's in third and long, and they weren't in the in the Eagle game, they were they didn't spend their time there. Plus, the Eagle the Falcons did a terrible job, a terrible job of defending the edges and defending really what were very simple pass plays. I think the Viking defense will be incredibly sounder. I worry about special teams with the Vikings, especially off last week. Um, it's probably going to come down to field goals, not touchdowns. It's definitely inside the realm of an interception or a fumble in their own end deciding this game. But I, I'm taking what I think is the much sounder defense. I think the Eagle defense is good in spots, but I think the Minnesota defense is the best in the league. And I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to run it at all. If they run it, they, if the Eagles can run it, if they're getting five yards on first down, I'm going to be dead wrong about this game. You'll know right away. If the Eagles are running the ball for yardage, for serious yardage, I'm going to be wrong about this game. If it's third and long every time, I'm going to be right about this game. I think Minnesota wins. I, I don't like that they're favored. I was hoping the game would be pick them. I hate laying points on the road because this game could easily be a Minnesota win by one or two. I'm sticking with the Vikings. I've been anti-fold, so I'm not going to go on them after last week. I, I, I just couldn't have them self-destruct now. I couldn't, I couldn't watch that and say well, how dumb that was. I'm sticking <laughs> with Minnesota. I'm not overly confident, especially playing three. I'm not overly confident. But I'm going to go with Minnesota to win a game 17-10, to 16-10, and then get to play uh, one more time. So here's what I, one thing I liked about Keenan last week. After throwing one of the worst-looking interceptions in playoff history, he was not afraid to throw the ball after that. I got to give him credit. They threw the ball even more than I thought they would after that. I give him credit. He's not afraid. He did not play afraid. I don't think he's any good, but he didn't play afraid. And if Minnesota doesn't play afraid, I still think they're the better team this year. I'm going to go Minnesota 16-10. How's that? Okay. Uh, You left out one thing in your Philly-Atlanta recap. Philly put the ball on the ground over and over again for the first half or so of that game and gave Atlanta every single chance possible to pull away. And they didn't absolutely did. Absolutely did. I don't think that happens again. You know, they, they fumbled, they fumbled a a punt on their own. What was it? Like their own 20. Yeah. Put the ball down a couple of times. Absolutely. 
I think yeah. they'd take care of the ball better. I actually liked what I saw from Foles last week. And it makes sense when you hear like he practiced with the first string for the last four weeks. And, you know, he's a guy who has had competent moments in his past. He's not somebody that we've just never seen him do anything decent in his career. Uh, I like their defense more than you. I think, especially at home, I love their front seven. I thought Fletcher Cox was unbelievable last week. And uh, I think they, I like their defense more than Minnesota's defense. On top of that, there was a great stat about Keenum in that Saints game where he had a QB rating of 116 when he wasn't getting pressured. And it, it dropped to 5.1 when he was getting pressured. And I think the Eagles can pressure him. I think they can knock him around. I'm not sold on their running backs. And to me, this just feels like an ugly 16 to 13, 17 to 15. So some sort of weird score that's going to come down to. Hey, we're going to be in a game. Neither team's going to score twenty points in this game. Unless yeah, something weird happens. if Minnesota yeah. gets to twenty, they're going to win because I don't think the Eagles can get to twenty. But it's going to come right. down to special teams, uh, home field, fans, uh, one dumb mistake, and we've already seen Minnesota last week made a bunch of dumb mistakes, especially when the pressure got tight. I heard what you said about Keenum about how he wasn't afraid to throw the ball. I thought it was really interesting when they were going for the go-ahead field goal, which they ended up getting, but it was a 53-yarder, and they had first down at like the 40, they got so conservative there, and it didn't seem like they totally trusted him. Now, I know the next series, he ended up throwing one of the great passes we've seen, and and they they get a touchdown out of it, but that third and five, where it just seemed like they were really happy to trust Kai Forbath with a 53-yard field goal with their whole season on the line, that made me a little nervous. And uh, and I don't know. I just like getting home dogs that with a good defense. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't disagree in. with you. Listen, I think the Philly crowd is worth points. I don't think there's any question that if this game was in Minnesota, I don't think Philly would ha- have much of a chance. I really I agree. I think the home field is big for Philly. What I a, really do. And, other and, and listen, if this game is 16-13 Philly, I'm not going to be shocked. I, I totally agree with you. I would, I would not be shocked. One other thing, one of my rules, it makes me nervous when a team acts like they won the Super Bowl the previous week and we're still like in round two or round three. And that win was so dramatic and so exhilarating. It's so amazing. It really was like winning the Super Bowl. No and question. That, and that could go one of two ways. Either they won their Super Bowl last week and it's going to be hard for them to match emotions of that. Or it turns into a Dave Roberts deal situation where you have this tortured fan base who's just used to getting kicked in the balls every step of the way. And yet again, it's happening. Here we go. Oh my God, we're blowing it again. And then a miracle happens and flips the script. And now all of a sudden everybody just buys into it. And as a Patriot fan, that worries me the most that this is now a team of destiny. So I see that angle, but I'm going the other way. I like, I like. Well, you should realize already, there's no way right now that probably either one of those franchises, Minnesota or Philly is actually going to win the Super Bowl. So you're gonna well, what would have been it, but ne- neither one is probably gonna is gonna win it. I mean, it just it doesn't seem like they're franchises that are ever gonna win. Something bad has to happen to both of them. We know that, and it's got to happen one at a time, unfortunately. Mm. But think about this: How would you try to promote Jacksonville, Minnesota, for two weeks? What about Jacksonville, Philly? I think Jacksonville, Minnesota, I guess it could go with the home angle, but Jacksonville, either one, Jacksonville, can you trying to promote Jacksonville in the Super Bowl for two weeks? Well, you're making, this is what all the people betting and rooting for Jacksonville are worried about. People now claim the Patriots get all the calls. That was a big storyline on Saturday night that the Pats were getting all the calls against the Titans. Goodell is taking two first-round picks from us. He railroaded yeah, our quarterback. Listen, 
I, I listen. We can go back and talk about the tuck play forever. All right, we can debate the tuck play forever, and that play I think you can make a good case either way for. But mm. do I think that in any way the Pats are get a break from the whistles? No, I don't. I don't think so at all. I don't believe that. Uh, I just think the Pats are smarter than the other teams. I think that they're better coached and they're smarter than the other teams. And that is what makes the difference. Plus they have the only elite quarterback a lot, you know, playing Left. right now. Uh, I mean, yeah. that, and, and, he's and, he's, uh, and he's one of the all time greats, hands right. or no hands. So that plays into it enormously. The idea of having these two quarterbacks, you know, in this game right now, you know, on the NFC side, but I'll be fascinated to see, if the Minnesota defense, which I believe in, can step up and, and dominate this opponent. Because if they can't, what they've put together the last couple of years, painfully put together, is a sham. If they are going to be who they are, they are going to show up and they are going to make this game where they are a force on the right. field and are the, and are the best unit on the field. If they're not a, the best unit on the field this weekend, in that game, then they then they should forget about what they built and just scratch it because they built this thing to be a force. It was a force for three quarters, and then it melted in the fourth quarter of that game. Yes, they got short field twice. I understand that they didn't. They only came the length of the field on them once all day. I do understand that, but you got to sometimes be there when the fields are short and hold people to field goals. They couldn't do that against Breeze and Kamara and Thomas. They couldn't do it. Now they're not facing that quality of player. Let's see them dominate. I'm giving them a chance to show me, and I'm believing that they can be the force in this game. If they're not, they're not what they were cracked up to be. If, in a worst-case scenario for this game, where Brady doesn't look good, at what point does Romo, when, when's the first time he brings up the Garoppolo trade? Like midway through the first, uh, midway through the first quarter. No, that will that, yeah that will be brought up the first errant pass that Brady oh, throws. God. The first already... time that happened, and and if ever can you imagine what the storyline changes to if oh Brady God. is on the sideline? Which I'm telling you right now, could, will not happen if he's conscious. It will not happen. <laughs> right. He will not. He will not leave the game unless no, he agree. is unconscious. I agree. So I don't even think that's even a possibility. But it's twi- it's put a fascinating twist into this game. It's even got you scared to the point you're I'm, picking I'm the terrified. pass in an AFC title game at home by one point against Jacksonville and Bortles. I know by I, one point you are picking them. I'm, I've gone to a really dark place, and it really does scare me that this all comes back to the Garoppolo trade. I have been thinking about it a lot, and I guarantee my dad is going to text me about it 140 times over the weekend because he didn't like the trade hey, from the get go. It makes it fascinating, and I tell you, the best game that we can have is New England looking like New England against that Minnesota defense playing mm. in its building. Mm. That is that is the best game with the hundred year old grandma in the stands. You know, she might even kick off. I don't know what will happen. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. But that is the best storyline, and that is my storyline. By the way, now so Minnesota and New England, and not you and New England by a point, you of the faint heart. New England (sighs) by double digits. By the way, that's like the last thing Brady would have to accomplish in a Super Bowl, winning it in the home team stadium, and breaking the heart of a hundred-year-old grandma. I mean, I think about that, right? Quick pop culture recommendation for you. Go ahead. The assassination of Gianni Versace on FX. 
is was uh, it good? Is really good. Yeah, it's really good. Really, I yeah. mean, that was a a, a crazy, terrifying story, as yes. we all know. Uh, yes. it was. But I could see that being. I, I will check that out. I that was yeah. That guy was a strange bird. I he mean, to was, say the least. So yeah. I remember that story. Yeah, it is captured. Any movies did you see the last week? I did not see anything. Oh, oh yes, I saw Churchill. Okay, I saw the Churchill movie. Now you're gonna have to if you like history like me, you'll find first of all the performance is unbelievable. I mean, he won the Golden Globe, as you know, yeah. but uh, his performance was spellbinding. The makeup, just what they transformed him into, is unbelievable, but the acting is brilliant. He's brilliant as Churchill, but you have to be a real World War II history buff if you're going to like this movie. If you like that, if you like the idea of that kind of politics and world history, then you're going to really love it. And it's a brilliant performance. I, I did watch that on uh, DVD. Okay. Two thumbs up from Mike. Uh, I think we're, should we talk next week or do you want to wait till the Super no, Bowl? No, we'll talk Super Bowl week. Just Super Bowl All right, week. Super Bowl week. All right. So you come back in two weeks. Mike Francesa, thank you. Good luck to you. Goodbye. Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. My listeners can try for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to the all-new SimpliSafe, completely rebuilt and redesigned with new safeguards to protect against power outages, down Wi-Fi, cut landlines, bats, hammers, everything in between. New system, new contract, same fair and honest price. 24-7 protection for only $15 a month. Supply is very limited. Visit SimpliSafeBS.com right now to order SimpliSafe with two eyes. Thanks to Hotel Tonight. The best way to plan ahead for things like Valentine's Day, if you want an amazing hotel deal at the last minute, book a room with Hotel Tonight up to seven days in advance. Book up to 100 days in advance in certain cities. And with their HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. Whether you need a sweet deal on a nice room for today, Valentine's Day or beyond, download the Hotel Tonight app. Start scoring amazing deals and incredible hotels. Download the Hotel Tonight app right now. Don't forget about my column, the Friday mailbag, heading into conference weekend on theringer.com. Don't forget about the Ringer Podcast Network. Don't forget to come back on Monday. Me and Cousin Sal will break down all the action from Sunday. Good picture. I want to see this.